0: Hello, and welcome back to the first of two final episodes from the Irish Football Fans podcast at the end of the year. Uh, I'm Joseph McCarthy from the Irish Broad website, and I'm joined by Mark Kennedy of Hawkeye Sidekick to discuss the Nations League draw, which took place earlier today, which saw Ireland draw Armenia, Scotland and Ukraine for the very first time in Group B1 of the 2022-2023 Uh, UEFA Nations League we're also going to discuss uh, Stephen Kenny's imminent new contract announcement and uh, we'll have a little preview of our final episode which will be coming out uh, over the the Christmas period Mark it's good to talk to you and uh, happy Christmas
1: yeah many happy returns happy Christmas to everyone uh, listening on the podcast as well hope you have a good one
0: yeah before we get into the, the group, uh, Mark, it seems that Stephen Kenny, uh, is going to get the contract extension that we feel his performances, the end of the World Cup qualifying group deserved. Um, initial, while nothing is confirmed from the FAI, yes, initial reports are that, uh, it would be extended to the end of the 2024 European Championship qualifiers with, uh, a review period, a review Clause inserted for the end of the the Nations League. What do you think?
1: Folks, have been listening to this podcast. I've been pro Stephen Kenny from day one. So I'm kind of happy to hear these initial reports surface. Because I know Packy Bonner a few weeks ago when he was talking to Jack Chambers uh, was very defensive in terms of any contract, letting, letting things out in terms of contracts. But I mean, I suppose just given the ending to the World Cup qualification, now I know there's going to be people out there saying, well, you have to look at the full picture, but I think you could see the body of work was forming, particularly towards the latter end of the qualification campaign. So I think the results that he got, particularly in the last four or five games, um you can see the vision. You can see the project. You can see stuff building here. And again, the backroom staff has been bolstered, no end. So it would be a shame then to just completely dismantle that backroom staff. So... Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what duration of a contract they will give Stephen Kenny. We've always mentioned that the Nations League coming up, it would be a kind of a key asset test for Stephen Kenny, just in terms of he has blooded enough lot of new players. Those new players and the side now need to be competitive, and we'll talk about that in due course, but a viewpoint then to the Euros. So, I mean, it's a good progression, I would say, from the FAI, just to kind of give that contract extension, give a bit of assurance. The players have bought in. To Stephen Kenny vision so yeah good news from my perspective uh, I think the same for yourself Joe.
0: yeah definitely I think when Stephen Kenny first took over what we weren't seeing the football that we thought we would straight away was that it wasn't he didn't have time to put his stamp on them and to a large extent the players were still the players from Mitt McCarthy and Martin O'Neill's reigns whereas now I feel with the debuts that he's given out in his time in charge so far, he's actually capped 11 new players uh, in, in a relatively short space of time, so what we can say is that this is his team now, and, well, the I suppose the other side of that is that uh, the results are his results now, so if they're good, then it's a reflection of him but if they go bad, then it'll also be a reflection uh, of, of his his time in charge. I think that compared to where we were a year ago when we had things like Kelly stepping aside, things like Damien Duff stepping aside, the controversy over the video that was shown before the England game, that has all been put in the past now. The backroom staff is, is settled. I think the appointment of uh, Anthony Barry, has uh, worked out probably better than any one of us could have expected. Uh, the addition of Dean Kylie and the what it's meant for the development of the three young goalkeepers in the squad has worked out far better than I could have hoped. Uh, so, look, there's been a big turnaround um, from where we were, not just from 12 months ago, but you could probably argue even from six months ago. But, look, we're going to get into that in our final episode next of the year next week when we do our our, our review of the Republic of Ireland national team uh, in 2021. What we want to discuss in this episode is the draw that took place today, the draw for the 2022-2023 UEFA Nations League, which now we've drawn uh, Ukraine, Scotland, and Armenia. Uh, it's going to be our first time facing Ukraine. at at senior international level, we've never played them at all. Scotland, we're obviously very familiar with, uh, not just as one of our nearest footballing neighbours, but uh, we have a long uh, history of games against the Scots. Uh, And finally, Armenia, who we we last faced in the qualifiers for uh, Euro 2012. Let's start with Armenia, who were the team that came out of the fourth pot, Mark, if you cast your mind back 10 years ago when we the when we had qualified for Euro 2012, one of the games, I think, um, that at the time no one was really sure if it was a good or a bad result, but ultimately, uh, I think, earned us that qualification was the win we got in Yerevan when Keith Faggy scored. We were the only team in that qualifying group to come away from the Armenian capital with a win. Um, they probably turned out to be the surprise package uh, in that particular set of qualifiers. Um, but I think the team probably peaked at that time and since then uh, has gone has gone backwards. And even if you look at their results uh, just this year, uh, they opened pretty strongly with three wins on the bounce to beat uh, Liechtenstein away, then Iceland and Romania at home. But they haven't had a win since... Uh, Probably their best result was a a one-on-all draw in Croatia, but they've also lost 3-1 to Sweden, uh, 6-0 and 4-1 to Germany. Romania beat them in the return game, and North Macedonia beat them 5-0 at home. Uh, So you would expect us to get at least four points from the two games against Armenia.
1: Yeah, I mean, they're very... I do remember that game. I had a good left knee back in the day. Uh, To be fair, um, with Armenia, they're always produced good technical players. And this is what we're going to come up against when we go to Yerevan particularly. It's a long trip. So, and I think there might be, I think you mentioned just before podcast that for any supporters, there might be issues trying to get to Yerevan as well. Um, You know, just given passports, you know, wherever you've traveled before. So, I mean, that looks a tricky away game. Now, I mean, on the World Cup Qualifier, they had an outstanding start, as you say, and I suppose the standard player form is still probably Henrik uh, Mikaterian, who's with Arsenal, Man United, playing his trade with Rome at the moment. Now they have players littered around Europe, Cadiz, centre half, um, also in Slovenia, Slovakia, uh, and in most continental European leagues. But again, they're formally dis- disintegrate after, you know, like who wouldn't, like Germany, Germany were all powerful there, they conceded 10 goals and two games against them, but it's back North Macedonia set of results that kind of is the baffler for me. I mean, they went and got results uh, against the likes of Iceland, but then when it came to North Macedonia, um, they drew, but the home loss in game, match date nine, was a complete rout. Uh, watch the video footage before podcasting. I mean, defensively, they are all at sea. Now, squad depth was an issue there. They did a few suspensions. So, again, we should be kind of preying on that a little bit. And as well, you know, I think Armenia will be, yeah, they're they're the lowest ranked for a reason here. Um, so, I think confidence should be high to win in Aviva. But I think in the Arvan, I think even a draw would be probably a good result. Just given the travel logistics, all that sort of stuff, it'll be a hostile atmosphere. It'll be too long, too long distance
0: trips in the group as well. I mean, if we we're mm. if we used to play uh, Ukraine in Kiev, which, look, given the current situation in Russia, along the the Russian-Ukrainian border. We don't know what's going to happen there. Uh, And um, at the time of recording, the fixtures haven't been announced yet. Look, I don't really want to get into that. But, yeah, look, I think uh, Armenia, if they're still relying on Henrik Mkhitaryan, he'll be turning 33 uh, in January. Having said that, if we had a player who was still appearing and scoring for Roma, he would be a first-choice miss, no matter what age he was. But their form really has collapsed, I think, since... They had a good run of results uh, in 2020. They actually only lost once. That was the North Macedonia game. They uh, lost 2-1. And then only drew two of the following games in the year, winning excuse me, winning six, uh, including uh, beating I- Iceland 2-0 at home, which I think it was... Considering where Iceland were not too long ago, it's a, it's a pretty impressive results. If we look at their qualifiers for the 2022 World Cup, you know they concede they did concede 20 goals in just 10 games? But 10 of those are against Germany. I know I don't really like picking and choosing results, but if you take out the the two Germany results, they only conceded 10 goals in the remaining eight games. So uh, and five of them came against in that game against North Macedonia Uh, strangely enough, a home game for them a massive uh, loss at home for them so they don't really concede too many goals they don't score a lot of goals, they only scored 9 goals in in the qualifiers say if we come away from Yervan with a draw and beat them in the return game in Dublin I would count that as probably what we can expect to get from them again, it's all relative if uh if Ukraine and Scotland can better our results in uh in Yerevan then we're it's gonna make whatever we do look, look bad. But uh some of the better performances that we've had under Kenny so far have been away from home. So We'll, uh, we'll wait and see. I think it's a, it's a good draw from us considering the other teams that we're in. Pot four, uh, we haven't played Slovenia before. Montenegro and Albania are improving and Armenia were, were the, the lowest ranked of those. I think they're currently 96th in the world. So uh, yeah, I think it's a, it's a good draw for, for us from the, the fourth pot. If we move on now to the second pot. As I said, we're going to be facing our, one of our closest footballing neighbours, uh, in Scotland, um, a team that we haven't faced since the qualifiers for, uh, 2016. We lost in Scotland 1-0 and then drew the return game in Dublin in June, uh, with a possibly controversial goal from Jonathan Waters. I remember talking with some Scottish fans after the game and they all claimed it was offside and, uh, well, like, didn't disagree with them, but uh, ultimately it was their results uh, in results in Georgia where they lost one nil um, to a goal for Kazielashvili. I actually remember that game because uh, I was at Electric Picnic uh, listening to the commentary for Ireland and Gibraltar the same night uh, when it came over the the radio commentary that Georgia had taken the lead and what that meant was that Ireland could push for a, a playoff place ahead of Scotland. So there might be a, a, a revenge element to the fixtures, especially from from their end. But like, if you look at Scotland's squad, Mark, like they've they've got some outstanding players in the Premier League. Like Billy Gilmore has gone from strength to strength since he made his international debut. Uh, Robertson is probably the best fullback uh, in in the Premier League right now. What the manager has done is built his team around. The two, those two outstanding talents um, so that he gets the best out of the the rest of the squad like they, maybe they don't have the strongest front line especially not uh, considering some of the, the strikers that have played for the Tartan army Lyndon Dykes is their current top scorer up front, he's only got six six international goals so yeah I think Scotland are kind of taking on the, the identity that we would have seen from Eastern European sides um, not too long ago, as in uh, a hard working, organised team with a lot of kind of similarly talented players, uh, but one or two outstanding talents mm-hmm. that
1: can push them on to that next level. Absolutely, Joel. <clears throat> I think it starts from the manager, uh, Steve Clark. I think he's done a superb job since going in there. I mean, you know, he's transformation of Kilmarnock as well, before he took on the Scottish job was astounding as well.
0: <clears throat> and I mean,
1: he's got a good backroom staff with John Carver, Ross McPhee, Steve Aismith and Chris Woods, goalkeeping coach. So he's a solid backroom team. I mean, the, the World Cup qualification campaign, any side that wins six consecutive games on the bounce has to be massively respected. And I mean, their the result against Denmark in Hampden Park was very noteworthy. You can argue, yes, Denmark had already qualified, but Denmark's team was pretty decent on the night. And to be perfectly fair, Scotland were fully deserving of the win. Those what their best performances, really. Um, Squad-wise, as you say, Joe is a very talented squad. I mean, you're looking down through it. Craig Gordon is probably in the form of his life with Hearts Midlodian at the moment. Uh, Andrew Robinson, you've basically mentioned Liverpool, top-notch. Kieran Tierney, Arsenal. Um, then John McGinn. Callum McGregor, Billy Gilmore, Stuart Armstrong. You know, David Turnbull, very highly rated prospect in in Celtic as well. I mean, and the age profile here as well is around the mid-20s, which is ideal, I would think. You take John McLaughlin and Craig Gordon out of it, it's a relatively young squad internationally. And you see the caps, they're in their 20, 30 international cap range. So I think they're starting to blossom here. I mean, uh, as you said, I think Billy Gilmore... He's getting more game time under Dean Smith at Aston uh, Villa as- uh, North City. Apologies. Apologies, any Aston Villa fans there. Um But again, it's the strike force. And I think the strike force is really uh, much a work in progress. I do like Che Adams from Southampton. Looks like a real kind of goal poacher. Kevin Nesbitt, highly rated in the Hibernian. And Ryan Christie has made the move down south to Bournemouth. So Lyndon Dykes, QPR as well. So again, these guys are now on the 10 to 20 international cap range. They should be getting more goals, stuff like that, going forward. Hopefully not against us. But I think it's a formidable squad here, um Joe. Uh, I think it, Scotland, looking at the draw, I think will be relatively happy. But then they're facing Ukraine. And Ukraine and Scotland face off against each other for a place in the World Cup. So I think there may be a rivalry there as well um, before the Nations League kicks off. So it's pretty intriguing. Yeah, it's a very strange coincidence
0: that Scotland and Ukraine will face each other in March for a place in the final of the playoffs for the World Cup before the Nations League begins in June. You know, if you look at the that qualifying campaign for Scotland, you know they are the only team that beat Denmark. And look, Denmark were going for a hundred percent record in that final game. You know, winning ten out of ten, they only conceded one goal, one goal in qualification. Strangely enough, it was against the the Faroe Islands and it was a, a, a late goal, but going into that final game in Hampden Park, they had 100% win record, nine wins from nine games, scored 30 goals and were expecting to win and were beaten 2 nil on the night and well beaten. So Scotland are, are a team on the up. You know, they're, they're seeing the benefits of the, the system of the coaching uh, under the manager. Uh, some of the results might be a bit strange. I mean, they only beat the Faroes 1-0 away from home after beating them 4-0 in in Edinburgh and it was a late goal as well from Lyndon Dykes in the 86th minute. I I think the way the group is going to go Ukraine are probably going to win and I think it's going to be a battle between ourselves and Scotland for second and third and I think Armenia are going to finish fourth and I, and look it's going to be the the two games against Scotland are going to determine where we finish where we finish in the group.
1: Yeah, look, uh, I think Scotland will probably be aspiring. Like, I mean, the intrigue of this pool really is that particularly Scotland, Ukraine, Republic of Ireland, I think fans from each of these sides generally probably think realistically they have a, a good chance of topping the group here. Um You know, and we're going back to Scotland here. Like I failed to mention David Marshall in goal. I mentioned Grant Handley. Uh, Andrew Considine has been brilliant for Aberdeen. Scott McTominay. Like, they're all benefiting from hype. High- Class football as well, Joe, as well. So, look, Scotland will have no fears of a public environment vice versa. Local derby, feel to those games. Form book, you could say, argu- uh, argumentatively out the window. I mean, Ukraine are probably the team that we've kind of have to base it off World Cup qualification campaigns and Euro- Euros, and they've been very Jekyll and Hyde in sort of that. So we won't really know Ukraine until we see them in the flesh, really. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's a nice... Group. I mean, considered like in Norway, Sweden, Serbia. I mean, that's a that's an atrocious pool of death group there in our kind of seeding pot. Like, I mean, that would have been an absolute disaster. I think this one is competitive. I mean, every team kind of genuinely thinks they could actually get something out of it, which it might make for good football. Really.
0: Yeah, I think that that's one of the benefits of the Nations League that nobody really saw when it was first announced. Uh, until the first tournament t- uh, kicked off that. The teams that were grouped together were on a very similar level. So we did see a lot of very competitive football. We weren't seeing, say, for example, Spain drawing Luxembourg and then putting six goals past them. You know, but we were seeing Spain and say someone like Italy playing against each other and having really good games of football. But we also saw teams on the other end, like Luxembourg playing against Andorra. And it's not on the same level, but you can see like when they, when one of these Minnows scored at international level when they got a, a win or, or uh, a, an away win. You know they were acting like they'd won a they won the World Cup, and that's I think that's been one of the benefits of the, the Nations League so far. Finally, we come to the the team that came out of uh, part one in the group, Ukraine. I think they they had a really strong qualifying group in for 2022, coming up against France who. Maybe didn't run away with the group as much as everyone expected. Ukraine surprisingly only won two games uh, in finishing second, uh, drew six. Uh, they were unbeat in their eight games, and strangely enough, didn't with any game at home, with every one of them finishing one-all, including the games against uh, group Minos uh, Kazakhstan, uh, who came from behind to, to get her, uh, a point in Kiev. You know, given our uh, long and distinguished relationship with the one-all international result, Mark, I think uh, that's possibly the result we can look forward to in at least one of the two games against uh, Petrikov's team.
1: Yeah, Petrikov. Now, Crowded Andrei Shevchenko. you've mentioned him. I mean, he came into the Ukrainian national side at a very low ebb, and the conscious decision was to start blooding in new players. I think we've seen it in the Euros. I mean, to be fair, it was very Jekyll and Hyde. You could see the raw and experience, but you could see the technical nature of the Ukrainian side. You know, we see it with uh, Sachenko and yeah, Armalenko as well, particularly in the Premier league. So, I mean, they didn't really do themselves any justice against England. Let's put it, be brutally frank about that when it came to the knockout rounds. But, yeah, they've learned from their mistakes, obviously, because the World Cup qualification campaign, They've been very hard to break down. I mean, the results against France as well, that should be the headline here. Uh, I mean, drawing one all in Paris against France after conceding early to Anton Grishman. I think some sides would have folded, but from all accounts, Ukraine then grew into the game and probably deserved more than a one all draw. Now, of the tape here, there's been a bit of inconsistency. Kazakhstan got two draws against them. Uh, Finland as well, you know, got results. And really it was down to that final round of games where Finland lost to France. But Ukraine, I think, probably had their hallmark performance when they beat Bosnia-Herzegovina 2-0 to secure and pip Finland for that second spot. So they've come and kind of learned from their mistakes. I mean, some of the side, very, very experienced. Um, Pajatov, the goalkeeper, 101 caps. You kind of look down through it. There is experience there along with massive potential. You see Armalenko is there, Armachuk, the Benfica striker, 12 goals and 36 caps. Um, so look, they'll, they're will top seats for a reason here. I'll be interested to see how this side are going to evolve because an awful lot of, I've been talking about 10, 20 cap range. An awful lot of these guys are now into the 20, early 20, early 30s, international caps, and they should be kind of moving next step on. I mean, Chevchenko has laid a lovely foundation for the new manager to come in and continue the good work. And I mean, Scot the Scotland World Cup qualification play that's huge. It's huge for this Ukrainian side. If they can get to the World Cup, their confidence will be sky high. If they lose, I think they're a little bit vulnerable, Joe, to be perfectly frank. So even before the Nations League games, I think, uh, yeah, there could be a bit of, dare I say, a few events outside of the Nations League might kind of conspire here to, against... Ukraine, if they're not careful. So, uh, but yeah, they're, uh, I am excited to see them, particularly in Diviva, just to see how they'll line up, set up. They've typically gone kind of 4 5 1, 4 3 3 at times, but they've tried to be very defensive. Residue. I think that England 4 0 loss definitely was a, a real wake up call for Ukraine, uh, particularly. They were s- split wide open during that game, and I think they've learned lessons from that. But again, they're going to have to evolve their attacking play because it didn't, I don't know how many goals he scored in the World Cup qualification, but <laughs> as you said, one all draws all littered all over the place. So it's kind of a... it'll be an interesting it would be an interesting sight to watch, uh, to be fair, and yeah, another long trip to Kiev potentially as well.
0: Yeah, uh just looking at their squad, you know, you mentioned that their their captain is the the goalkeeper Piatov. He turned thirty seven in, in June, so the by the time the World Cup comes around he'll be thirty eight. Uh it's assuming they qualify. Uh he'll be uh, almost thirty-eight by the time, say the first round of Nations League games go ahead. So, I'd have to imagine that if they don't get out of the playoffs, he will. He will think about retiring. Um, uh, and you know, other than that, uh, it's a it's a pretty young side. Without him, you know, the average age of their final squad or their last squad, sorry, was twenty-six, and with him. It, Pushed up to twenty-seven, um, and their replacement goalkeepers uh, Bouchan and Riznik only have fourteen caps between them. But Riznik only has as one of those. I think the team seems to be built around uh, a you know a Dynamo Kiev Shakhtar defense. You know home-based players, but in midfield and up front, um, you know they have players like Yarmolenko at West Ham. They've got Sinchenko at City. They've got Madden, uh Manonowski at Atlanta, uh, Yaramchuk at Benfica. So, like the going forward, there's a you know there's a, a very international feel to the to the team, and you'd have to say that again, similar to Mkhitaryan playing for Roma into his thirties. If we had players at any of these clubs, you know, they'd be starting and they'd probably be captaining the the Irish team. As I say, the fixtures haven't been announced, you know, at the time of recording. But I'd have to imagine the FBI would push to have the Armenia away and Ukraine away games separate, uh, maybe in the separate round of fixtures. So maybe Ukraine in June and then the Ukraine game in uh, in the games in September, because there's no way they're going to try want to put the players through uh, those kind of uh, traveling that kind of a distance round of fi- in the same round. Now, having said that, UEFA could push back and say, well. Someone's going to have to play two away games against them uh, in in Ukraine and Armenia. So we, we, it remains to be seen.
1: Well, and I think the elephant in the room here is what's happening politically, geopolitically in that region as well. Yeah, Quickly, okay. the Ukrainian-Russian border, hopefully nothing happens. But if safety of players, national teams are put into perspective, you could be seeing a neutral venue like Germany or somewhere like that being proposed as well. So... Yeah, it's going to be a fluid situation here, Job, And I think clubs are going to put their foot down a little bit with international teams, you know, particularly on the schedule. If, let's say, that actually happened, that you're in Eurovan and also in Kiev, that's a massive, massive toll in terms of maybe a six, seven-day turnaround and then pandemic circumstances as well. Where is that all leading to as well? I know it's June when this is kicking off, but I think in terms of those logistics how the world is operating at the moment, I think there'll be quite a few professional clubs maybe very reluctant or maybe sending a few excuses to national team managers that their players are unavailable due to various reasons. And I don't think it'll be Republic of Ireland either. I think it'll be across the board. Any kind of significant long-haul travel, uh, I think, will be. You know, you kind of see it there with the African Nations Cup as well. Um, You know, clubs are kind of starting to balk a little bit from the idea of releasing players after Christmas. Uh, yeah, so I think it, it, this may come to a head a little bit. I know June started, you know, started summer football and everything else, but I think you know clubs will be very wary of you know what their players representing their countries, and you know, heaven forbid, any kind of injuries coming from it as well. So, yeah, we're, it's 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 going to be an intriguing kind of subplot here as year progresses.
0: I don't know if you've seen uh, Stephen Kenny's reaction to the draw, but. On the FBI's website, he said that his first impression is that it's a really competitive group. Ukraine got to the quarterfinals of the Euros. Scotland have won their last six matches. And Armenia have really improved, finishing ahead of Iceland recently in their World Cup qualifying group. All the teams are capable of taking points off each other, which we've discussed. So it's very exciting from our point of view. Obviously, we're third season in the group, so not many people would expect us to win that group. But that would certainly be our ambition. Now, it's good to hear him say that. But it does kind of bring me back to what he said about qualifying from for the, from the World Cup group that he was aiming to do it, and then when it became clear that the results weren't going his way, he did change tack and say, "Well, actually, our long-term ambition was to you know do well enough in the in the Nations League that we would put ourselves in, into a position to qualify for the Euros in 2024." So. Okay, it's, it's good that he's saying that. It's good that he's uh, he's building us up as possible winners of the group. Uh, but by the same token, it's not that long since, as I say, he said something similar and then had to change his tune uh, when the results, as I say, didn't go his way.
1: Yeah, the media sub-boats won't lie here. I mean, he has to, This, as we've kind of said in this podcast, this is re- the real asset test for him. I mean, leading will- Talk about it in our end of year review podcast here, Joe, for sure. But again, the start of the World Cup qualification campaign was an absolute unmitigated disaster in terms of preparation. COVID-19. I mean, it doesn't have, you know, those excuses like, you know, getting to know the players. I mean, he's had a full kind of qualification campaign now to kind of know what his nucleus of his side are, who his main players are. So, I mean, the Nations League really is a rep- represents the true asset test here for Stephen Kenny. Backroom staff on the team—they have to be competitive here. I mean, there's no—if we're getting a repeat performance, if we're out of contention here after two, three games, I think people will start to kind of wonder again. You know, you know, in terms of contracts, stuff like that. I hope that doesn't happen. We need to be contending here with Ukraine, with Scotland, picking up our points against Armenia. You know, it's imperative here because we're looking at a European qualification campaign where. I think that is the end goal here for Stephen Kenny to get ultimate qualification here. But I can't see no reason, given the performances, the players that have emerged from this Republic of Ireland side, that we can't contend, that we can't compete against this, these teams in the pool. I mean, I think it's delicately poised. I think he's good there, but he can't change tack midway through and say, "This, you know, we're aiming towards European Championships. I don't think that will fly. And I don't think the FAI have basically have been pretty probably definitive with Stephen Kenny, what they expect from this Nations League. I think they're expecting performances, they're expecting results, and hopefully looking for maybe kind of a playoff appearance. We may be third seeds, but I mean, I think this group may be potentially wide open. Something else that
0: I would hope would be on the manager's mind is that we're one of only five teams that still haven't won a game in the the UEFA Nations League. It's Andorra, Iceland, Northern Ireland, San Marino and the Republic of Ireland. So you would hope that in in nine months time after the conclusion of the round of fixtures in September, we will have at least one win to our name.
1: Absolutely. No, I think, you know, that's has, <laughs> that monkey has to be firmly taken off our backs here. You know, this Nations League has been pretty indifferent for us since its inception. And I do like the format like when it started, I think, Joel, you know, we talked about this a few years ago, and we just didn't know how this would go. But I do actually like the format, and you've can seen with the minnows, they've actually steadily improved. uh, you know their quality. You know, um, so I mean, teams at the same level, um, you know, it they're good competitive games, and really does kind of bode well for European and World Cup qualification campaigns as well. So, you know, all you have to see is the England group. It was in England, Italy, and is it Germany? Uh, correct me if I'm wrong there, Joe, but that's you know, they're fantastic fixtures at the top echelon of it. Even for our perspective. They're massively entertaining and attractive teams. And I can see sell outs here in Aviva uh for all oh, those definitely. three home games, you know. I mean they they're all quality teams. I mean Armenia we don't know much about but one thing I can guarantee you about the Armenians is that they'll be technically gifted, they'll be very good on the ball and it's a case for us then to really kind of press and kind of, you know, you know, create the pressure uh on them. Because we can't let the likes of Armenia play, particularly in the middle of the park. So I think that'll be that'll be an interesting there'll be interesting fixtures for a whole host of reasons here.
0: yeah look, I know that the old cliche is that there are no international or there are no easy games in international football, but there are definitely no easy games uh, in the, the nation's league. Uh, if we just think that uh, before the nation's League games uh, do kick off in June, we do have two friendly fixtures yet to be decided. Uh, in in March. Uh, I did suggest that perhaps we should look to organize games against teams that we didn't draw from the other pots. So say, for example, maybe Iceland out of a pot one to prepare for Ukraine, uh, or Norway or Finland out of pot two to prepare for Scotland, or maybe organize a game against Slovenia for the first time at international level uh, to prepare us for facing Armenia. Uh is there any team you would see us, like to see us line up against in, uh,
1: in September, in, uh, in March? Well, certainly too, because I know we kind of canvassed, uh, questions here, uh, Joe on Twitter. Uh, and I know for a fact anyway that there was a few questions that were posed to our football retreats. It's that very same question. I would be completely in agreement. I think March we should really pencil in for some friendly games. I mean, I would like the notion of playing Sweden. Purely because, uh, you know, Sweden being a very technically gifted side, good physicality. I think they would match up well in terms of what Scotland would bring to the table here. Um, you know, and it might be an opportunity to bring in our greatest Irish footballer ever, to the greatest Swedish league sack, um, uh, into the, the international fold. I think we still, Stephen Kenny at the back staff, the nucleus of the side he probably has, but the squad depth. I would like to see those an opportunity here for other kind of out, outside the squad to get maybe a chance in one or two of those games, maybe Sweden. Um, yeah, and as well as that, I'm thinking maybe someone like uh yeah maybe a Slovakia or someone to that effect as well, might be decent, you know, per, you know or Czech Republic. I think Czech Republic would be probably a good one as well, just from a Ukrainian perspective. They're good technically will be big physical guys as well. So, um, you know, they will provide different looks to us. Um, so, yeah, Sweden and Czech Republic, if we had the crystal ball on the Czech book out for international friendlies. I don't know who you would pick, uh, Joe. Yeah, yeah, I think Czech Republic from
0: the, the fourth part from League A. Um, maybe Turkey from uh, the first part in, in League C. I think they'd be a, a good team similar to Armenia and uh, a good preparation for them. Or we could look at the other teams uh, in in part three, you know, Israel, Romania and Serbia. Obviously, we played uh, Serbia quite recently, so I wouldn't see the point in seeing, in playing them again. But I think you know, a game against uh, Israel and Romania, teams are, are very much on our own level. Uh, could give an indication of, of where we stand.
1: Yeah, I would. I would agree with that, Joel. Uh, to be honest, um, yeah. Th- even there, I said likes of Russia or maybe Bosnia Herzegovina. You know, I mean, there might be a team kind of, you know, maybe a little bit on the way in. But I think Bosnia as well still have an awful lot to offer in terms of international football. I think they're kind of regrouping again. So, yeah, there's no host of yeah countries, but I think to answer your question, definitely we should literally organize friendlies and even if iceland come into the picture here as well joe you know any of these countries that are literally not into playoff contention here that you know you know to get a friendly game a good quality 90 minutes from uh, from a side you know um that would be that would be the way to go i would think
0: okay yeah just looking down through the the list of teams in, uh, in the playoffs for the, the World Cup uh, next year. So, so, obviously, as we've discussed, Scotland are facing Ukraine, Wales are playing Austria, Russia are playing Poland, Sweden are playing the Czech Republic, Italy are playing North Macedonia, and Portugal are playing Turkey. So that uh, knocks out uh, my suggestion of of Turkey, and uh, I think you suggested the Sweden and the, the Czech Republic there. Uh, so... I would like to see us maybe play Israel and maybe someone like maybe Iceland. Um, I think they'd be a uh, if like competitive friendlies and uh, a good warm up for the the Nations League in in June.
1: Yeah, no, I'd agree with you there, Joe. Uh, they're definitely required. Um, it would be interesting as well if. Yeah, no, I'm just floating this idea out here, but, you know, even kind of brainstorming in terms of squad depth and domestic, domestically as well. If Stephen Kenny could run the rule over prospects in terms of our electricity League, you know, we're in the off season right now. It would be interesting if he could run a few trial games here just to really run the rule over quite a few prospects that we've been kind of really talking about now. Granted, Ross Tierney moving both to the Motherwell, get that. But I think there's several other prospects within the Tristy League that I think management hopefully could really run the rule over. I don't know if trial games could be organized after Christmas or something like that to really kind of see who's kind of ready to kind of come into training squads, stuff like that, because um, we kind of talk enough of that lot in terms of domestic domestic kind of base players, not really kind of getting a look in, but I'm just wondering with Stephen Kenny, if he's kind of re-monitoring that. stupid question. He definitely is. He's going to the games, but I wonder, Joe, your opinion on that in terms of, you know, again, the best prospects, let's say from the Bulls and Pats, Derry, you know, you know, even, you know, Galway or wherever and see if we can kind of, see if we can unearth a few good prospects here that may kind of go on to the next level. Yeah, I think one of
0: the criticisms uh, of Stephen Kenny so far is, uh, apart from the uh, the early results, was that there was very little, there was there was actually no League of Ireland representation. And I think all the old cliches came out about the, the Magic plane when Scales was brought into the, the setup after his move to Scotland. We did discuss with Philip O'Connor, would it be an idea for League of Ireland sides to play any of the Scandinavian teams? Uh, in pre-season seeing as they they both operate on a a summer season schedule and yeah I think there's definitely some scope there but there's no point in bringing players in for their friendlies in March because the season will have only just kicked off here in Ireland and we don't know if they'll be match fit uh, and able for uh, like that level of football Uh, but Say it, behind closed doors friendlies, uh, maybe something with the other twenty ones. You know, there's the league has been improving here, and the next step for it, uh, after some, you know, remarkable performances in Europe, is to have representation in the national side. And I think having a manager with the League of Ireland background that Stephen Kenny does should make it easier. But so far, it it hasn't happened. There's a lot to think about for the the international manager as. I think uh, we hope there always is. We hope you've enjoyed our uh, review of the Nations League group that uh, we're all going to be watching Ireland play in next year. Next week, myself and Mark will be joined by Philip Flanagan from the bottom's pit of football to discuss 2021, the, the year in football for the Republic of Ireland national side. I'd like to thank Mark for joining me tonight. Uh,
1: I'm looking forward to the discussion next week, Mark. As I say, a lot to discuss, as there always is. Uh, That could be an EastEnders Christmas cliffhanger, to be perfectly honest, particularly the start of it. So, but uh, no, looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, it was a bit of a roller coaster. Thanks for listening to the show. Uh, We look forward to talking to you next week. Okay, bye bye.